Today's scripture reading comes from Philippians 1 9, 2 1 to 2, and Ephesians 5 25. I'll be reading first in English and then in Chinese. Philippians 1 9. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. Philippians 2 1 to 2. If there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Be reading in Mandarin Chinese. Philippi Shu, Di Yijang Di Jiujie. Wo so dao gao de, jus yao ni men, zai, de ai xin zai zi shi, he ge yang jian shi shang, duo er yo duo. Philippi书第二章第一到二节，所以在基督里若有什么劝勉，爱心有什么安慰，圣灵有什么交通，心中有什么慈悲怜悯，你们就要意念相同，爱心相同，有一样的心思，有一样的意念，使我们的喜乐
infamous group. For 10 years I've tried. I've failed. I'm an outsider. Now Rice's particular problems are with the Roman Catholic communion and to be fair, we Protestants have our greatest disagreements with our Roman Catholic cousins precisely on this point, the nature and character of the church. Nonetheless, we can recognize this impulse to separate ourselves from the perfection of Christ and the imperfection of his followers, the church. We understand it. Christ is perfect. His followers are not. The church is frail, fragile, imperfect, often ugly. But Jesus himself simply does not allow this kind of separation. The church is his delight and his passion. So this morning I want to look at the church as the arena where Christ's love is to be lived out. The first thing to say about the church is that she is the object of Christ's great love. We just heard Paul say it in Ephesians, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ gave his life for the church, and if Jesus has us, if he owns us, if he is, as Anne Wright says, the center of our being, then we can do no other and no differently than what Christ does. We will give our life for the church. We will be there consistently, plugged in, planted, submitted, giving of ourselves, connected, serving, as well as receiving. The church is the one institution, the one thing that Jesus chose to leave behind. With all that Jesus could have done, with all that Jesus had the power to do, with all that Jesus might have done, this is what he did. He left behind one institution, not a rabbinical college, not a seminary, not a political party, but he left behind the church. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says, I will build my church. That phrase gave me pause this week as I considered we certainly haven't decided, but leadership and you as a church are going to be considering whether or not we should have a building program, whether we should add to our buildings here at the church. And as I was thinking about that in this text, I said, well, whatever we do, we're not going to build the church. Jesus does that. He builds his church. He's focused on this one great thing. The Bible says he builds his church through the power of the word and the power of the spirit. For that reason, I believe Jesus wants us to resist gimmicks and formulas and marketing strategies. I don't want to be cheap with my comments here. Obviously, we are also to be shrewd and we are to be wise as serpents. We are to be wise about the world, but at the end of the day, it's not strategies or formulas or gimmicks. If we are to truly be the church, if the church is going to be built by Christ, it will be by dependence on his word and by the power of the spirit. Jesus also said, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, shall not overwhelm it. 
the gates of Hades are a biblical and Hebraic way of speaking of death itself. Death is one of Satan's great tools. He used it against Jesus Christ, and Jesus rose from the grave. He used it repeatedly throughout history against the church, and any student of church history knows that the blood of the martyrs is the soil on which the church has been built throughout the ages. The church is the bride of Christ, and the Bible promises that his intention is to make her glorious without spot or wrinkle, holy and without blemish. If you pour your life into the church, you are pouring your life into something that is eternal, something that is going to stand, something that is going to last. The church is going to be triumphant in the last day. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So the church, I would submit to you, is the extension of the kingdom on earth. Where is God's will done? Not in government, not in our educational establishments, but imperfectly, but directed in the church. The church is not the kingdom of God, but it is to be the extension of the kingdom, the outposts of the kingdom of God in this wounded, fallen, and rebellious world. In a few moments, we are going to say together, members of the church and others that would like to, our church covenant. Listen to how it opens. We will pledge together to walk together in Christian love, show loving care for one another, assemble faithfully for worship, pray earnestly for others as well as for ourselves, Endeavor to bring up those under our care in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Share one another's joys and bear one another's burdens and sorrows. After that, we are going to pledge to be the church for the world. But first, the first responsibility of the church for the world is to be the church, is to be a loving community of an outpost of the kingdom together a place where people can look and see and be amazed how they love one another, how different, how different is that community. In our case, on the hill by the ocean, we find it strange, we find it compelling, we find it drawing. Before we talk about our responsibilities for the world, we talk about our responsibilities one to another to be a community of love, to in the words of Philippians 1.9, literally to be a place where love isn't just known tepidly, love isn't just given lip service to, but where love abounds. The church is to be a fellowship of love. Fifteen years ago, I served an American Baptist church, one of the two occasions I've served a church, which is not in a Southern Baptist communion, it was in San Mateo, and in a business meeting, the church was talking about her vision, and her, the worship minister stood up and made a statement that I wrote down and found to get in my file some 15 years later. Never used it since. But I was so struck by these words, I wrote it down, and the music minister said at that church business session, 
the church's mission is to worship the holy God and to call others by the heat and warmth of our fellowship to follow him and to grow them up in Christ. That's the vision and mission of the church and always will be. Everything else is strategy and method and means to that one true eternal goal, to worship, to win, and to grow. What I want to underscore for our purposes today is that phrase right in the middle of it, to call others by the heat and warmth of our fellowship to follow him. The real work of the church is and always will be to love. Along with worshiping God together, my greatest joy as pastor is when people come and are struck, even amazed, by how the members of this church love one another. Some of that love has been forged over decades together. Some of that love is expressed to them and they feel it. I want Tiburon Baptist Church to be known for her love of God and for the glory of her worship and for the strength of her Bible study and for the breadth of her ministries and for her involvement in missions, but also for her love one of another. My prayer is that souls will increasingly be drawn to this fellowship like moths to a flame because of the brightness and warmth of her fellowship and love. That has been the case. That is the case. And that must increasingly be the case in the future if we are to be Christ's good and faithful church. First John chapter 5, verse 1 says that whoever loves God loves those who God has begotten. It is a family of faith. We are a family of faith together. Love is central to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Then the church is the most precious possession that God has on earth. Peter wrote, we were redeemed not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Christ loved the church and he loved it enough to give his blood for it. This morning, we are going to gather around a picture of that sacrifice. When you think of me, said Jesus, think of a body crushed and blood shed that you might be able to receive and live abounding love. This table is a place where we are called to see that love and test ourselves in that love's light. A young TSA worker who I believe was probably having trouble with her new job and all of the new regulations and getting used to search routines asked a passenger, um, do you have anything in your luggage you don't know about? And uh, the passenger said, I don't know. And I think she recognized uh, her awkwardness in the question, so she tried again and said, well, is there anybody you don't know that has given you anything in your luggage that you don't know about? And the passenger said, I don't know. And that was about enough for her. So she took his baggage out of the way and opened up and, and started picking things out. And I think something looked unusual. She said, what's this? And what's this used for? And what's this all about? Um, we don't earn the right to come around this table. It is an unearned 
undeserved privilege. It is a sign of his great grace to us. But in light of that, it is also a time in which he invites us to examine ourselves. Our lives are always open and exposed before him, but there are sometimes, by invitation, by intention, we can go together with him and, and with him open up our lives and look at them together. What's this? What's this used for? Or how am I using this? Is this getting in my way? Is this uh, being used of him? This morning, let me invite you and me as we gather around this table to open up our lives together before him and ask ourselves some questions. How am I connected to him? How am I connected to this church? Am I in Bible study? Am I involved in ministry and missions? Am I involved in helping passing on the faith to the next generation? Let's ask ourselves questions as we involve ourselves in the great work of the church, the great work which is loving God with all our heart and soul and strength and our neighbors as ourselves. And let's find a way in which we can answer so that we will burn with a light so bright that others can see it. And we will burn so hot that others will be drawn and warmed by its heat. Living and holy God, we thank you for the church. We know that there's no such thing as an individual Christian. We are called together to be parts of your body, to be family. Make us men and women who love the church with all of its imperfections, all its weaknesses, not because of them, but through them. We know the church isn't a perfect place, but it is an outpost of your kingdom love. And you call people there who, though sick, know who their healer is. Help us to respond to your amazing love by loving you and loving your church. Through Christ our Lord we pray.